Hi everyone, I'm HP Braincase. And I'm JR Skinny Cat. And welcome back to another episode of Re-DCAU. Or Red Cow. Your DC Animated Rewatch Podcast. This week we are going to be continuing our production order rewatch of Batman the Animated Series with the second episode, Christmas with the Joker. This episode was written by Eddie Gorodetsky and directed by Kent Butterworth, and this would be the only episode of Batman the Animated Series that either of these gentlemen worked on. Originally aired on November 13th, 1992, this episode marks some very important additions to the DC Animated Universe. Most importantly, and in the title, The Joker, voiced by none other than Mark Hamill, who I'm sure people are familiar with from other things like, I don't know, this little thing called Star Wars. <laughs> The episode opens on an exterior shot of Arkham Asylum and transitions inside where we see the inmates singing some classical Christmas music. Including the Joker, who can apparently read music upside down. The Joker is pulled away from his upside down sheet music to place the golden ornament on top of Arkham Asylum's Christmas tree. Which is when we discover that Arkham Asylum's Christmas tree is also a rocket. Yeah, how did he get access to rocketry while he was in prison? Who knows? Yeah, I, I chalked this one up to him being the Joker, which is about all I've got for that one. So he grabs onto the top of the Christmas tree, and it bursts out through the skylight of Arkham Asylum. Well, he flies away singing the classic Jingle Bells adaptation. Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, Robin Laid an Egg, Batmobile Lost a Wheel, and the Joker got away. And my first thought at that was, I was wondering... Did this episode come up with that song, or did children in school come up with it first? Like, who came up with it? What Was it the chicken, or the egg, or what, what was what? This led us to do some research, uh, which it turns out a number of people have done before. The sort of end-all, be-all of it was an article on Cracked.com, uh, written by Robert Evans about the origins of this Jingle Bells adaptation and how it massively predates this episode. Yeah, massively. Yeah, it was on the first episode of The Simpsons in 1989, so at least three years before this. Also, it's been documented to be a playground song as far back as the mid-1960s, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, that was way before I was in elementary school. And way before either of us were born, too. <laughs> yeah. After the Joker blasts out of Arkham Asylum, we go to the Batcave, which is where we're introduced to another major character from Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, suddenly, Robin, out of nowhere, is the sidekick. Like, yeah. no introduction, nothing. Yeah, Robin's it's here, he's been here the whole time. He was probably hiding in a closet last episode with the whole man-bat situation. Yeah. Whatever. Speaking of Robin, because this is the first time we get to see him in the series, this is probably a good time to talk about his voice actor, Lauren Lester, who will go on to voice Dick Grayson, Robin, and later Nightwing for many years to come in the DC Animated Universe. But that won't be his only interaction with DC. He voices a number of characters in their other cartoons, and most recently, he is the voice of Man Bat, or Kirk Langstrom, in the Arkham Knight video game that came out last year. And Robin is trying to convince Batman that it's Christmas Eve, and even the Joker's not gonna commit crimes on Christmas Eve. They don't need to go out on patrol. Nah. Batman and Robin end up making a deal that if they go out on patrol and they don't find any signs of the Joker, then they can come back to Bruce Wayne's manor and watch It's a Wonderful Life. 
the classic Christmas story of a man about to commit suicide when an angel with no wings named Clarence comes along to help. And Batman is portrayed through this episode as a Scrooge-like character because he isn't really in a Christmassy spirit. He doesn't really understand it. And I can relate to that. So they go out on patrol. They witness what looks like it's almost going to be a mugging, but it turns out it's a guy returning a present to an old lady who gives him a kiss on the cheek that he doesn't seem entirely willing to receive. But, you know, whatever. She's an old lady. They do that sort of thing. (laughs) And they go back to the Batcave. In this scene, there are, I think, three references to Scrooge. There's at least two in this scene, where somebody says bah humbug, and then Robin says that Batman could give lessons to Scrooge. Right. So, finding little to no crime, the two of them head back to Wayne Manor, where Robin tries to put It's a Wonderful Life on the television, only to find out that the program has been preempted. Yeah, it's been hijacked by the Joker. Yes, we get a back view of the Joker in front of a fireplace with a brief explanation that It's a Wonderful Life will not be shown on TV this year, and then none other than the clown prince of crime himself turns around and announces that he is putting on the Christmas show this year and will be doing it in front of a not-so-live studio audience made of cardboard cutouts of Batman, Robin, the police force, and other people. (laughs) Yeah, and I'd like to say that the Joker looks great in red and green. Those are his colors. Boy. (laughs) Yes, they are. (laughs) Uh, they 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 do look great on him. And he then announces that because he has never had a family of his own, He has kidnapped a family for his Christmas special, which he has named the Awful Lawfuls. (laughs) And this is a family made up of Daddy Lawful, played by Commissioner Gordon, Baby Lawful, played by Harvey Bullock, and Mommy Lawful, who is played by a character who is not given a name in this episode, but is named in the credits and will appear later on in the series. It's Summer Gleason, who is supposed to be based, as far as anybody can tell, on Vicky Vale from the comics, who's a reporter who gets involved with Bruce Wayne. Batman and Robin immediately leap into action to locate the Joker by looking for buildings with power surges, because in order to hijack the television signal all over Gotham, he would need a lot of power to do it. While they're in the Batmobile racing to try and find him, the Joker continues his show, announcing that Batman can have the lawfuls as long as he reaches them by midnight, and if he fails, then the Joker will kill them. And before the dynamic duo can pinpoint his location, the Joker introduces his co-host, Laffy, who is actually just a shoddily made hand puppet. I love Laffy. Laffy's the best. Laffy's pretty cool. So Laffy and the Joker explain that they'll be blowing up the rail bridge just in time for the 1130 train, which, shock, has Mommy Lawful's mother coming into Gotham on it, which makes it all the more funny for the Joker. So Batman and Robin turn around and rush towards the bridge where Joker's henchmen are setting up explosives to blow it up, which they promptly do. I wanted to take a second to talk about the music in this scene. Super awesome. They use a technique called instrumental onomatopoeia or musical onomatopoeia. So the music playing sounds like the object on the screen. So the music sounds like the train. This is also used in other songs like Chattanooga Choo Choo and Midnight Train to Georgia. Very popular to use train sounds in music. And in between the train music was a darker, more gloomy melody that was 
reminiscent, I think, of the Dies Irae, which is a very old melody that's been used at least since the 13th century, but probably much, much longer than that. It's used a lot for Roman Catholic requiem masses, and it's the melody most quoted in musical literature. And basically, it's the Day of Wrath or Judgment Day. It's just a few notes put together that evoke that feeling of death and gloom. And it's appeared in many famous composers' works, way too many to mention. The D.A.C. Ray is one of the most recognizable themes in music, and it's uh, made a big impact on music history. And the events happening over all this wonderful music are really cool. Batman and Robin do this really cool J-turn in the Batmobile and speed back towards the train. And Batman has Robin jump off of the Batmobile onto the train to detach it from the engine car while he goes and rescues the conductor. And he jumps on there, grabs the conductor, leaps off the train with him, and they roll through the snow. And then everything goes dead silent when the engine car goes off the end of the bridge and explodes. Yeah, I thought something was wrong with the audio. <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> For a second, it was odd. <laughs> it was eerily silent. Yeah. <laughs> After the rescue, they get back in the Batmobile, and they figure out where the Joker's signal is being broadcast from. It's coming from Gotham Observatory on top of a hill, and they drive up there, and they find an antenna, and it's got a present underneath it, and they go... And they open the present, which is clearly a trap, and a giant jack-in-the-box Joker pops out with a speaker on it, and the Joker is talking to them, basically saying, you didn't find me, but we do have a surprise for you. Guess what? The Gotham Observatory is a gun. Which is, like, a cool thing for the animators, but I have a huge list of questions in regards to this. How does somebody turn a giant telescope into a gun? I just, I know it's a cartoon, but what? That's just stretching the limits of credibility a little bit for me, which I think is something that's going to happen a lot more as this series goes on. And so they dodge the shots from the cannon, and they get it to hit the antenna that the Joker is using to control it, and the gun goes insane and starts shooting Gotham City, and Robin runs in to shut it down while Batman distracts the gun, where he finds a bunch of Joker robots with guns for hands, which he tricks into shooting each other. And then Batman get, has this code name for something that they're going to do, Operation Cause and Effect. Yeah, yeah, that was a little weird. Which apparently means get the last gun robot to shoot the controls? <laughs> I, I don't, I didn't really... There's a few sad faces on the notes I took for this episode, and one of them is on this section because it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but whatever. So they disable the cannon, and they get back in the Batmobile to try and figure out where the Joker is, and Batman says to figure out where it is at this point would take a miracle, at which point it cuts back to the Christmas with the Joker program where Mommy Lawful goes to open up her Christmas present from the Joker, and it's a Betty Blooper doll, hmm. which is clearly a Betty Boop reference. Yeah. And the Joker takes it over to a table that has a scale model of Gotham on it and has the doll start rampaging through it, which illustrates Batman's amazing knowledge of discontinued toys. Uh-huh. <laughs> because he immediately recognizes the Betty Blooper doll 
which is made by a toy company that went out of business 14 years earlier. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's supposed to illustrate that Batman really knows his city, but I, I mean, that's just so much detail, it's crazy. So they drive over to the Lafco Toy Factory, which is where the toy came from, and they break in and are immediately attacked by giant weaponized toys. But before the toys attack, the Joker, spotting Batman and Robin arriving at his hideout, runs into a secret side room where he puts on a vinyl record playing a very special little bit of music. The music playing is an altered version of Tchaikovsky's The Nutcracker Suite, specifically Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy and The Russian Dance. This is music from the famous ballet The Nutcracker, which is often performed around the holidays. Amidst the music from the Nutcracker Suite, Batman and Robin are attacked by a whole host of weaponized toys, including 20-foot-tall Nutcracker dolls, little planes that fly right at them, and award us the most painful pun of the series so far, (laughs) where Batman tells Robin to stand aside and grabs a baseball bat out of a bin, proceeds to hit the planes out of the air, and Robin says, they don't call you Batman for nothing. This was the source of two more sad faces on my notes. <laughs> uh, it's actually pretty <laughs> I think so. Just then, two of Joker's henchmen appear on the catwalk above and start shooting at them. Batman yells, snipers, and dives out of the way. And I gotta say, it's the first time I've ever seen snipers use Tommy guns. So I'm gonna call that one a goof. Yeah. Because they're just gunmen, they're not snipers. And he tricks them into shooting at a giant teddy bear covered in a black curtain, which he drops on them, immediately immobilizing them. Once the henchmen and the traps are taken care of, Batman runs into a different section of the toy factory where the Joker has the lawfuls suspended over a vat of molten plastic by a rope and tells Batman it's time for his Christmas present and hands him a box with Batman wrapping paper. Yeah, I actually had a smiley face and a heart in my notes for this because I thought it was just so freaking cute that he went out of his way to wrap the present in Batman wrapping paper. Yep, Robin shouts at Batman to not trust it, it's a trap, and Batman doesn't care. (laughs) He pulls off the wrapping paper and opens the package to reveal a spring-loaded pie with a tiny disc in the middle of it with a Batman symbol on it which immediately pops out and hits him in the face. And the Joker laughs and laughs and laughs and laughs. And then Batman cleans off his face. The Joker cuts the rope holding the lawfuls over the plastic. Batman rescues them anyway. The Joker tries to run away and slips on a roller skate, almost falls into the vat himself. Batman catches him by the ankle and says, Merry Christmas, Joker. There were some things in the past couple of scenes that we went over that, I mean, I I know about Batman and the Joker and their history and all that sort of thing, but it kind of became really apparent to me that they know they need each other to survive. Like, they wouldn't exist without the other one existing. That's the whole story with Batman, and that's the whole story with Joker. You know, Batman opens the package from Joker trusting it's not going to be something that kills him and batman saves the joker from the plastic because without the joker batman doesn't exist wow you read way more into that scene than i did and i applaud you for that (laughs) i just thought batman saved him because he doesn't like to let people die so after he says merry christmas to the joker sorry that that was all a very good point by the way i just (laughs) I just want to state that for the record. I just didn't read any of that into it. 
After he saves the Joker and says, Merry Christmas, the Joker drops our last Christmas Carol reference of the episode by saying, Bah humbug. And we cut back to Wayne Manor, where they are finally finishing up their viewing of It's a Wonderful Life. And Dick Grayson says, Boy, it sure was nice of Commissioner Gordon to lend you that recording of It's a Wonderful Life, which brought up a very interesting thought for me. Batman had to get a recording of It's a Wonderful Life from Commissioner Gordon after rescuing him from a vat of molten plastic. Well, yeah, he owed him. Like, hey, glad you're not dead. Oh, sorry, sorry. Hey, glad you're not dead and all. You don't happen to have a tape of It's a Wonderful Life I could borrow, do you? I mean... <laughs> Robin keeps talking it up like this oh, is awesome. Movie. Yeah, he, Robin thinks it's a great movie, and I, I've never seen it. I can drop you off at home, and if you have one, I could just borrow it. And next time you, next time you light the bat signal, I could, I could bring it to you. Or, or however that exchange went down. But I, that's what I assume happened. So they finish watching It's a Wonderful Life. Bruce admits that the movie has its moments. Uh. That's, that's Bruce finding the Christmas spirit. <laughs> and the last scene we get from the episode is the Joker back in his cell at Arkham Asylum in a straitjacket singing Hark the Herald Angels Sing and closing out on his very iconic laugh. The, the Mark Hamill Joker laugh is something that is still being used in properties today, over 20 years later. The most consistent thought that I had through watching this episode uh, was I was just so impressed with the Joker because, my God, he is efficient. He breaks out of prison. He kidnaps a family. He sets up a, a television show and set. He's got a replica of Gotham built. He's got to coordinate the bridge destruction. He builds the observatory gun. He sets up security cameras. There's the machine gun mannequins, the giant robots, the wrapping presents, decorating trees, the boiling pot of plastic. And there's a tank that goes through the city and fireworks. My God, he was busy. Yeah, we didn't talk about the giant tank that rolls through the city when he's introducing the Christmas with the Joker thing. But yes, just just a thousand different things that he's worked on all to be ready for this Christmas Eve. I assume some of it he had his henchmen do. Yeah. But still, it's crazy efficient and just shows that even though he's insane, the Joker is kind of the perfect foil for Batman because he has everything worked out. He's a hard worker. Yeah. So good on you. <laughs> And on that note, I think it's time to rate Christmas with the Joker. Yeah, I gave this one a 5 out of 10. Wow, I actually expected us to have a different rating on this one. You seemed to enjoy this one more than I did, but I also gave this episode 5 out of 10 cows. Wow, that's really funny. I think I gave it a lower marking because it was Christmas themed, and that's just who I am. But it got a, a couple of extra points maybe because of the music in it. That was a big part for me. And finally, Batman is acting like himself and actually putting people back in jail or in Arkham where they belong instead of just letting them free. And Robin was in it. Your ratings are way more well thought out than mine are. I just sort of do a gut feeling. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this felt like a 5 out of 10. Okay. I will say I give the Joker an 8 out of 10. Oh, yeah. The Joker was the best. Yeah. The, the Joker was the best part of this. It's not the best Joker that we're going to see which is why I didn't give him a full 10 out of 10. Uh. Uh, we do get to see much better incarnations of the Joker later on throughout the series. But Joker was great. This episode was enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't the worst episode that we're going to see, I'm sure. Uh. So uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us 
for this episode of ReDCAU. Next time on ReDCAU, we're going to be watching the episode titled Nothing to Fear. In the meantime, if you'd like to find more of us, you can find myself and JR streaming together every Sunday on twitch.tv slash hpbraincase, where we play horror video games together. I also stream by myself throughout the week. Also, just a quick reminder, this show and the streams are brought to you by the support of viewers and listeners like yourself on my Patreon over at patreon.com slash hpbraincase. You can also find us on Twitter. I am at jrskinnycat. And I'm at hpbraincase. And until next time, may your nights be dark and your cows be red. Bye! Batman wrapping paper. Batman wrapping paper. Wrapping paper. 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 Batman wrapping paper.